You're listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Claire and talking about adopting a child who has a serious medical condition. Hi Claire, thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. You're also at summer camp, aren't you? And I've dragged you yeah. into my little makeshift office yeah. Yeah. for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've got quite the um, production line going on. Um, so when did you adopt? How long ago was that? Seven years ago, amazingly. It's, it's gone quite fast, really. Really flies. Yeah, I remember um, you sort of doing it around the same time that we were doing it. And yeah, it's quite quite a while ago. Can yeah. you tell me a bit about what brought you to adoption and um, you know what you'd been thinking about to get to that stage? Yeah, um, well, we're a lesbian couple, and so we felt like we needed to think about how we were going to have children. Um, And we did kind of vaguely consider other options, but after going to an information evening, um, it just just totally felt really right. We just listened to the information, heard somebody talking about their... I think they were talking about their kind of older teenager who'd become really kind of... Um, into LGBT activism and was really proud of having gay parents and it just really inspired us and so we didn't actually carry on thinking about any other routes to parenthood we just felt like it was right we'd both had quite a bit of experience with children in care and felt like it was something we could do and that there'd be children out there that yeah we could give a good home to we were probably pretty naive at the beginning about <laughs> what that would actually involve. I don't think anyone would start it if they weren't naive at the beginning, would they? Totally. So did you, were you thinking that you were looking for one child or two or three or four? What did you have in mind? We were pretty open-minded about it, really. Um, yeah, we actually kind of said anything up to two children, any age up to about five siblings or one child, and we were pretty open to kind of thinking about any needs and yeah just keeping an open mind really until the matching stage I was pretty up for having siblings because my siblings are really important to me and and I also just thought it's a sort of ready formed family and would be fun which it is (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure it is fun (laughs) but it's um, complex as well with two kids at once Uh, so you went through the process and then you started family finding what was that like yeah, it was actually pretty good for us, really. It felt quite easy. I think for me, getting through to actually actually being approved felt the stressful bit. Um, and once we were approved, um, we saw the profile for our kids pretty quickly. Um, we'd, just, we'd vaguely looked at another couple of children that we sort of slightly considered. Um, but there was just something about our children that just really jumped out at us we just both had the same reaction and felt like there they are and I think the hardest bit was actually waiting to hear if they were still available for adoption we were so nervous that we'd be told that you know actually they were already linked with somebody else and it's not going to happen so yeah that that part was all quite smooth for us really and then there was nobody else considering adopting them um so it all was quite smooth and and easy brilliant yeah. so, so how old were they at the time so they were young toddlers okay so because they're very close in age yeah. aren't they so well that's quite a handful to start with had you already been open to adopting children with serious medical conditions 
yeah, I don't think it was something we kind of started out the process thinking, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. But I think we started feeling like this is something we're open to and that we just wanted to approach considering each child for the child they are rather than thinking about what diagnosis they have. I think I'd worked in disability for quite a while before we were adopting and some of my some of the people I worked with um, some disabled adults I talked to quite a lot about their experiences and and I just felt like it was something that we could do so yeah we were open-minded but we also wanted to just see what felt right when we when we saw profiles of real children and how they felt to us. So it sounds like it was real emotional response to those children and um, that you were drawn to them emotionally more than a sort of practical do these match our exact criteria would that be correct yes definitely it was a real kind of emotional response um yeah we just there was something about them that really drew us on every level um and I think if I was saying to other people going through the adoption process and in that stage to really it's good to have both approaches really the kind of head and heart approach and I think we maybe didn't so much think through the practicalities ourselves but we had lots of other people kind of supporting us to do that so friends and family and to some extent our social worker as well sort of saying yeah but how will you actually cope with that kind of day-to-day and how will that feel and can you definitely manage this and I was glad that looking back I'm glad that people did ask us those questions and we did think through whether we could really do it and whether it was right for us but yeah I think really at that point there's not a lot that would have stopped us because yeah, there was just something about the photo of them, the description of them and their characters and just just lots of little details about, you know, where they were from in the country and what their experience had been. It just really kind of drew us in. And yeah, ultimately, I'm glad it did, <laughs> even though it was probably quite a, yeah, we maybe didn't think it through all that logically, but it, it was good in the end. Yeah, I think sometimes it is just something heart-based. You can't, I don't think you can just, you can't justify it all, can you? Why do you care for somebody? Why are you drawn to somebody? Why whatever? It's just sometimes hard to pin down, but you are. So yeah, yeah it sounds like that. Definitely. And I think I feel like the way you approach family finding as an adopter, it's quite a lot how you are as a person and, and how you make other decisions. And I know me and my partner are, we are like that, you know, we'll be, make decisions in quite a spontaneous way and luckily we're both the same and (laughs) have the same approach but yeah we just both of us just absolutely felt like it was right and like it was something we wanted to do and that we felt okay we can do this so so let's give it a go that's that's really good so so at what point did you first become aware that one of your children had a serious medical condition yeah right for the beginning it was written on the profile and I think like a lot of profiles for children waiting for adoption. You have to read through the between the lines a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a spirited child. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, but it did say, but it didn't give a lot of details. So I think really when we read that first profile, we didn't know what what extent it was going to have on her life and our lives. But we did then find out a lot more. Um, once we kind of asked for more information said we were interested in adopting them so yeah we we kind of knew pretty much the extent of it but I think um 
it's so different knowing kind of on paper what diagnosis somebody's got what that might mean practically from how that actually is to to live day to day and and kind of love somebody that you worry about their health and their well-being and things it's it's um it's felt really different from what we kind of first imagined and in in kind of difficult ways but positive ways too yeah I'm sure so can you say what you're happy to say about the medical condition and about what impact that would usually have and I guess whether or not that's a spectrum of impact or is it always the same for people who have this condition Mm. yeah so so she's got a condition that means her her organs didn't form correctly so her organs were all kind of all mixed up um, inside her body Um, And so she's got a very serious heart condition, which many children with that condition don't make it through the first year or two of life. So at the point um, we were adopting them, she'd got she'd got through about a year and a half. So that was that was looking looking good at that stage. Um, But there was still a huge amount of uncertainty around her heart condition. And she's got other other kind of medical issues because of her organs being being formed quite uniquely she's really got quite a unique um set up um that's also affected her immune system so she's quite kind of vulnerable to infections and things like that so so i think we we kind of understood quite a bit about it before we adopted them but um but it's really we feel like it's a lifelong sort of learning experience like it is with adopting any children understanding them as people it's also kind of understanding her medical condition and how that affects her and how best to support her really because yeah it is variable so um so she's she's had phases where she's been a lot more unwell and at the moment she's actually doing really really well um so it can affect her kind of energy levels and how much she gets ill and those things have been sort of quite variable over the years. And does this illness remain a risk to her, a severe risk to her life, I guess I'm asking, as hard as that might be to answer that? Yeah, no, it does. And we we did know, we knew that when we adopted them, that, that yeah, I mean, it's considered a life-limiting condition. However, there's so much sort of variability within that. So some children, um, yeah, really don't make it through the first year of life. And they all, all of these children will require a lot of surgery. And for some children, that can go better than others. Some children can do well up until teenage years and then their organs start to fail. Other, other people might make it into adulthood. But it, yeah, it, one way or another, it, it's expected to have quite an impact on her life going forward yeah so when when they arrived with you and you knew that she'd got this complexity and the other child physically did not have that could you did you feel like you were able to get to know them in the same way or I just almost almost wonder is she seen through the lens of that medical condition sometimes you know was it hard to get to know her because I guess you were also getting to know this medical condition with such impact yeah, no, it's a good question. I think I think it has always been easy to get to know her for who she is. And funnily enough, I think with with all adopters, you sort of have to expect the unexpected, don't you? And actually it was quite strange in the first couple of months 
we actually had a lot more kind of emergency hospital appointments per sister, <laughs> which, was, which was kind of funny. We ended up sort of going in an ambulance a couple of times with her sister. Um, so that sort of took us by surprise. And actually, I think her sister does have or did have some, some medical issues. They've sort of really quite sorted now as she's got older um, that sounded much more minor, but actually did have an impact right. at the beginning. <laughs> so she lulled you into false sense yeah. of security. Yeah. yeah. But no, I think it's, I think it's absolutely been kind of, we've been able to just get to know her as a whole person. And, and weirdly, I think something that I didn't expect is that actually, because she's had all these hospital appointments and surgeries, in a strange way, it's made us closer to her in in a way that's I think when you're adopting and you miss out on some of that kind of early bonding experience that you'd have with a young baby where you're having to really kind of meet all of their mm. needs and respond to them on a really physical level, actually it's taken us to that place with her quite a few times where we've been really kind of, you know, so attuned to what she's needed physically and being just really by her side in hospital and it's been on one level honestly a, a hellish experience and kind of knowing that she's at risk and things it's it's really awful but it's also been something that's really kind of drawn us close to her and I, I think that's definitely something that I feel that can be strangely benefits to adopting children with a disability or serious health condition because yeah you, you they do have to rely on you as a parent and they do get to learn that you are there for them to support their needs in that really kind of close way yeah I can I can understand what you're saying with that I suppose you had to face the practicalities of how you'd meet um, her needs so not just the emotional difficulties of, of facing that condition but also how to do the hospital appointments, how to, who would cover and so on. How did you evaluate all that at first? Or did you just sort of throw yourself in and think we'll figure it out? <laughs> yeah, I think we just had to wing it really. And <laughs> yeah, and I think looking back, you know, it was, we were absolutely kind of shell-shocked in the beginning, the first year especially. And even now I feel like we're, we're still, I think, sort of finding our feet with supporting her with understanding her medical condition, helping her sister to understand that sometimes if we disappear off to the hospital and don't take her with us, it's not because we love her any less. Yes. And that's that's been quite a journey, sort of balancing both of their needs and feeling like we're supporting them on every level that they that they both need. And it, it, it has been really exhausting at points when she's been in hospital for a few weeks at a time and things and we're trying to kind of get home to look after her sister some of the time and and also do all the practical stuff we need to do it's yeah it can be tough yeah it sounds like it really would be and how do you cope between you as adults with the emotional uncertainty of all this yeah it's it's pretty massive and we've definitely kind of been on a journey with it really I think me and my partner have quite different ways of coping, which I think is when we're in a good place with it is really helpful because I think my response is to be much more kind of um, learn everything I can about her health, um, you know, read up on it, check on the latest research all the time. 
my partner's a bit more kind of slightly head in the sand in but in the present in a good way and I think that balances really well when we're when we're doing well with it when we've struggled more so she she had to have some surgery that if it didn't go well really there wasn't another option and, and it would be kind of end of life care and there was a reasonable chance it was going to go well but but the you know even being told there's some chance it's not going to work yes. is really hard so the lead up to that was so stressful um, and then the recovery afterwards was really hard and I think we both sort of went quite went to our sort of polar opposites of our kind of coping mechanism yes. and we did we have had support from from the hospital psychologist and then now through the ASF we have support from a therapist to supporting us from an adoption point of view but also thinking about you know how how the whole picture of our children kind of impacts us and yeah that is so helpful and I would say well really I think to anyone adopting it's good to have that support and especially if you've got other factors like us you know that you're dealing with as well you do need to kind of be able to talk about it and be open with people and yeah communicate and get support really yeah because my own experience when my son arrived was that I had to fall in love with him you know I had to and it took time and I didn't know him and so on and but I remember earlier in the process when it's like oh there's a child we may or may not get them you hold your heart back a little bit don't you because you're worried that it may or may not happen and I just is there some difficulty in that bonding process when you know that there's this this risk and this threat and so on were you was there any aspect of you that was holding back or did you find a way of going through anyway you know yeah no it's it's a good question I for me personally I don't think there has been for me and I I don't know if my partner might answer differently to that I think she's maybe found it harder I think for me I have been able to let go and and really love her despite knowing the risks in loving her and I don't know I think it feels like a sort of leap of faith really that we've had to take and and I think I mean it's definitely the experiences I know just made me so much stronger and I think it's that kind of as you start to love somebody you think well I've got to do this for them and I've got to I don't know almost sort of not put yourself aside but kind of yeah learn to to be able to prioritize them which I guess is just parenting on one level isn't yes. it <laughs> but no and I yeah weirdly I feel like it's made me closer to her and appreciate her more I remember when she was kind of coming around from surgery and me and my partner sort of saying you know we will never be angry with her ever again you know, look she's <laughs> how here. long did that last yeah, it didn't last very long no. <laughs> days or, or, or maybe a week or so <laughs> But yeah, it definitely kind of makes me enjoy well both of them in the present more. Even though I think on the on the other hand we do have a level of stress that maybe other parents don't have. But I do I do think I quite often have to just kind of enjoy the day to day. And it's it's funny because obviously I'm talking about all of this stuff because it is really relevant and it is sort of something that's impacted us in our ado- adoption journey loads. But on another level, they are, you know, most of the time we're just cracking on yes. doing our day to day and it and 
I don't ever forget about it. It's all, like always in the back of my mind. But I, I think I've sort of found a way that it can just be there in the back of my mind and we can kind of get on and enjoy them for who they are in the moment. Yeah, I can understand that completely. How aware are the girls of the condition and so on? Yeah, they're, they're really pretty aware. I think I'd sort of liken it to kind of the experience all adopters have with sort of supporting their children to understand life story stuff, really. And I think we approach it in the same way, is that kind of saying everything and as much as we can that's age appropriate and in a way they can understand at the moment. So they absolutely both understand that it's something that's always going to affect her and um, and that her body's is different from other people's and and that you know we just try and kind of gently drop things in and sort of be led by what they ask really as well um but yeah that has that has been quite hard yes i can imagine so that it's difficult to find how much information to give and not make it too frightening Mm. but equally not make false promises about you know what you can and can't promise i can i can understand that would be really difficult yeah so but obviously day-to-day family life stuff and I have seen you all on the dangerous activities that we're running all the daring stuff and uh yeah that one of your children took to it like a duck to water and the other was more hesitant but got there in the end I hear yeah yeah. awesome (laughs) so yeah no that's lovely so have you had to make changes to your life in order to first of all be a parent and secondly to be a parent to a child with these needs yeah definitely I mean I think to be a parent is probably the biggest one, really. It's just it's quite a shock. To... <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely life changing. And yeah, even though we're seven years in, sometimes you still have a moment where you're like, oh, I could just really do with a weekend of doing nothing. We used to watch Columbo laying on the city. Like that was Sunday, you know, let's watch Columbo and eat snacks and lay on the city. Exactly. When did that last happen? I know, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's still, it's still, I'm still kind of surprised by that. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, we do, we have had to kind of change the way we do things, really. But I don't know, I'd say in a lot of ways, not as much as I maybe would have expected. So she does have some mobility issues, but actually she's doing so much better on that level than she used to be when she was younger. So when she was kind of three to four, she was still awaiting more surgery because she needed to grow bigger. And she was really out of breath all the time. And if you tried to kind of do and do anything physical, really, she'd be sick. So we kind of carry her around or push her in a buggy a lot of the time. And yeah, she really she was sick pretty much every day, which was quite hard work. Whereas now, yeah, well, you've seen her flying around the campsite. I certainly have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she still she still kind of gets more out of breath and. So we have to factor it in sometimes and there's things that we couldn't do as a family, like we're not going to be walking up any mountains mm. together. And and yeah, there's been times where we've been much more limited to having to kind of drive everywhere um, or go somewhere that's got sort of accessible flat paths and things like that. But, na- but now at the moment, hopefully for a little while, she's doing a lot better on that level. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really positive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. She just came to have a chat with me about what was the next activity and why it hadn't started yet. So, yes. That sounds like her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you were talking to me a little bit about schooling and some changes that you made around schooling. Can you say about that? Yeah, so, yeah, I think when they were 
both kind of around preschool and reception sort of age. They're both doing doing all right with it. You know, they're sometimes sort of nervous to go and she, Belle, my daughter with the condition, would get quite tired and find it all, you know, physically quite demanding. But they were both sort of coping with it mostly. But as they've got older, they're eight and nine now, they just struggled more and more with school and that's kind of on every level really. I think having a health condition that in a lot of ways is an invisible disability, people don't kind of always realise that there's that she, you know, needs things to be done a bit differently for her. It's been pretty tough for her in school because she wants to keep up with friends. Yes. But can't. And and I think just the kind of the physical demand of going into school five days a week meant she was then just so exhausted. She has kind of limited energy levels, really. So it felt like she just used up all her week's energy on five days of school. Yes. And then couldn't enjoy anything else. The weekend would really be just kind of, she'd need to recover. We couldn't really sort of do much. Um, and both of our children as well have just, yeah, after reception age really have just struggled with school on every level the kind of social side of it the sensory environment it just being you know busy hectic and also on some in some ways the academic side of things as well well daughter bell i think partly because she struggled physically when she was younger she was always just sat inside reading books and things at preschool. So she actually academically was doing really well. But but I think she was slightly bored by the work. And so she would kind of not necessarily listen or want to do what was being asked. Yes. And her sister struggled a bit more with the academic side of stuff. Um, but yeah, both of them just really have never particularly enjoyed it. And it just caused us a huge amount of stress in our lives, really. So, yeah, when when there was the pandemic um, and all the school shut, we just realised how much happier they were. It yes. Was, yeah, really quite a difference. So since then, we've decided to home educate them, which is just going a lot better. Well, that's good. So who's doing that? Yeah, we both we both work part-time. So that... I don't think I could do it otherwise, to be honest. <laughs> you're honest yeah yeah um it, yeah it's really nice that we we can work a few days each and be with the children a few days each they also go to various groups so like a forest school and kind of outdoor learning place so there's a lot there's a lot going on and places that are much more trauma and attachment aware and that we felt actually wanted to sort of take the time to understand their needs and kind of see them as people and I think that's something with um with Belle with everything she's had going on I think we just we know she can struggle in the school environment and that can make it it could make it quite tricky for teachers and other children but I just felt like the school were kind of losing empathy for her and and you sort of think of everything she's been through yes and we just wanted her to sort of feel happy and supported and be with adults that want to be with her and kind of appreciate her for the sort of amazing little person she is and yes. everything she's been through. So 
so yeah we found places that they can go just more part-time that it feels like they have that and it just works so much better for them that's really nice and it suits Rowan more as well yeah yeah what do you think made it suit her what was what was she struggling with at school and what made this the right thing yeah she was struggling a bit with the academic stuff so she'd just feel really out of her depth so I remember saying well they were teaching maths and I didn't understand anything so I just copied what my friend said and she'd offered <laughs> that's a good strategy yeah, though yeah, she, she can't fault the strategy <laughs> she definitely learned some good um, coping <laughs> mechanisms um and she also just struggled a lot with the social side she's quite good at making friends but then would fall out with people quickly get get quite dysregulated at break times and things and didn't have if you don't have a sort of adult there supporting you I think she just found that really difficult to kind of feel a bit on her own with trying to navigate friendships whereas what we do now hanging out with just a few other families who are also home educating or they're at a smaller setting like a forest school with just a handful of kids she finds that a lot easier and more manageable so yeah it's definitely just working way better for for both of them pretty pretty hard work for us that's <laughs> <laughs> where you do um, and so when people are family finding I guess we all remember going down that list of you know would you consider a child who had this condition or that condition would you consider a child who had this disability or you know that great long list of stuff and I guess you, like us, went down saying yes, no, maybe, yes, no, maybe, over and over again. So when people get to the question about serious medical conditions or conditions that are potentially life-limiting, I guess lots of people say no without really thinking about it or without looking at what it might be like. I wonder what your advice would be for both people who might want to rule it out and also for those who might be thinking about it. Yeah, I think I'd say just keep an open mind, really. And I think we, I think we tick maybe to quite a lot of them. Yeah. And I'm really glad we did because I'm glad we didn't kind of shut off any doors. Because I think if we'd said, oh, no, we're definitely not up for this or that. And then we'd seen this profile of what is now our children, we might have kind of ruled ourselves out in a way. And And I think it's kind of seeing the child underneath, which is quite hard to do when you've just got one of those sort of tick box lists so yeah I think for people who are sort of considering it or, or people who think they are going to rule it out maybe getting some childcare experience somewhere where there's there's children that have a have medical needs or have a diagnosis that you're not sure if that's something you would consider accepting because I think then you sort of see what the real children underneath that are like um, I think our daughter or both of our children are such amazing little people and they're really they're really quirky and funny and yeah Belle I think with everything she's been through she's really such a strong feisty person she's really incredible and I I think I've kind of learned so much from her really well for, for both of them because also for her sister having to it's it's hard for her sister to live with all the implications as well they're both such such strong little kids and and they're also they're just pretty eccentric and hilarious and yeah. <laughs> you can't get that from what it says on a piece of paper so I'm glad we did just kind of keep an open mind and see what came really and I think the other thing I'd say 
is that with adoption you just really never know and there's so for example our daughter Belle this wasn't something we knew in advance but there's there's been some question around possible autistic traits and there's now kind of since um since we've adopted them there's now more of a link between the physical health conditions she's got and children having um, ADHD and autism traits and we didn't know that and and actually we've just taken that in our stride and I think a lot of adopters are in the same boat really especially if you're adopting younger kids you really haven't got a clue what's going to happen so sometimes actually having having something on paper that can say oh yeah this is what's going on and why it's it gives you um it does give you sometimes more kind of roots into support than I think some adopters have where you know there's there's a lot of support their child needs but nobody's quite sure why or what's going on and and you've got to get to the bottom of that so yeah I think just it's it's a leap into the unknown whatever you do (laughs) so go with it yeah I think that's really really good advice because you're right you just don't know you know it could go one way could go another it could throw you a curveball and you're going to get on with it but I think it helps a lot once you love them you know yeah definitely yeah and I think it just feels completely different um, now we love them I think we do anything for them and that's who they are and they are out in the world yes. waiting for parents so it feels really right it also on another level is really hard and feels harder the more you love them I think that's probably also true of any experience that adopted children have had the more you love them the more you just wish you could take all of that away from them yes and that's that's hard as parents but I think probably makes you do a better job as a parent in the long run yeah I'm sure you're absolutely right thank you so much for joining me it's really nice to talk to you I'd like to thank my guest today Claire If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook search New Family Social or one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.